1: We believe that everyone has the power to make an impact through raising capital and helping people achieve financial freedom through real estate. We invite you to join the Real Estate Syndication Spotlight Facebook group so we can amplify our impact together
0: we know you're going to love this episode. And hey, be sure to stick around to the end of the show because we're going to reveal how you can be our next guest on one of the fastest growing real estate podcasts on the planet. Ready? Let's go. Welcome back, friends, to the Real Estate Syndication Spotlight podcast. I'm your host, Annie Dickerson, and today I'm thrilled to introduce you to KK Singh. KK, how are you today?
1: Good. Thank you for having me on your show, Annie.
0: Absolutely. Yeah, I'm, I'm thrilled to share with our listeners your success story. I know you've achieved a massive amount of success in a relatively short time. So, Tell the audience uh, a little bit about how you got into the real estate and the syndication space in the first place.
1: Okay. So um, I've been in the gas station business for 21 years and still own some gas stations. Uh, We accidentally got into the real estate world because (laughs) somebody somebody sold us 40 single family houses here in uh, Fort Wayne area. And that's how I got into real estate. And uh, I I started managing those houses myself to learn. And soon I realized that this is not the way I want to do things. And (laughs) I don't want to keep uh, buying more single families. So I started investing passively with Mm. other other operators. Um, I started in 2015. Yeah. So I'm mm-hmm. uh, so far I'm invested in about fifteen deals wow. as a passive investor oh
0: and seven deals
1: yes. as a general mm-hmm. uh, general operator.
0: That's fascinating. The forty single family homes. Okay, so how did you? Okay, how did you accidentally get into that? Was it like an opportunity that just came across your desk and you were like, "Oh, I'm try it out"? Or how did you? How did that come to be?
1: Well, uh, it didn't even came to my desk. We, we were at the church and the guy who was like in his 80s and he had these houses for a long time. And he walked to me and uh, he said, I want to sell these houses and I want to sell them to you.
0: Okay. And all I said, right. we have
1: never done this. I mean, we yeah. have been in the gas station business for years. We, that's all we know. And he mm-hmm. said, "I'll I'll teach you how to manage and everything. And he gave me such an offer that I couldn't decline.
0: Wow. Yeah, it's, you know, in real estate, it's all, people think it's a, all about um, spreadsheets and buildings and land and whatnot. But really, real estate is a people business. It's all about who you know and the relationships you have. And it sounds like through um, that relationship, um, it took you down a very interesting path. So first into managing those yourself, which I'm sure that was not easy. I've only managed, you know, maybe a small handful myself before running to a property manager. But um, so tell us a little bit about but that yeah, transition from I mean, gas stations to single family homes. Are there similarities between the two businesses, or are they did you learn from scratch on the single family space?
1: Actually, he promised to work with me for a year, help me learn the business, mm-hmm. but. Uh, we didn't know anything about the real estate when we bought them. We just the only thing the similarity was that we compared the income of the houses as compared to the gas station and the investment. So that's all we compared, and we bought this without hiring any attorney. He trusted us, we trusted him, and but when I uh, after buying all these houses and I came to know that he was doing everything old school. So he was Ah. doing everything with a pen and paper and he was (laughs) sitting in his office from nine to 5 PM and he and his wife and I couldn't do that because I, at at that time I was managing a laundromat and a gas station and Ah. I had, I had eight gas stations that I had partners on, but I was still spending some time. So I, I just after 10 days of his uh, mentoring I said, thank you, uh, and let him go. And yep. I started learning myself. I moved all the all my uh, properties to an online portal, Buildium. Mm-hmm. We started using Buildium and managing. And I made it so simple that I was spending only nine hours a week.
0: Wow. So you went from where he was spending basically full time, For You know, 30, 40 hours a week, and you got it down to being able to manage everything in under 10 hours a week for 40 separate single-family homes. Correct. Wow. Wow. Okay. Tell us a little bit about that. And and we'll get into the syndication, the passive investing stuff too, but I'm so curious because a lot of times the lessons that you learn on these smaller single-family homes, you take (laughs) them with you as you scale into multifamily. So tell us about some of those systems that you might've implemented.
1: So first of all, uh, he was well-educated. He was an engineer at a time, but he didn't keep up with the technology. And I was a Microsoft certified system engineer. So I had kept up with the technology. So I applied all the technology I knew to, to manage my single family portfolio. So that made my life a lot easier. And I was doing everything online and uh, spending only nine hours a week. Wow.
0: Yeah. Isn't that incredible how, you know, I I think a lot of people um, fall into the trap of thinking, well, I need to well, I have all this work, I need to hire somebody, I need to build my team. Um, but often if you sit down and think about the systems and the functionality and the processes and the tools and the technology that's available, often you can automate a lot of that yes. stuff.
1: Yeah, I automated most of it and everything was very smooth. Yeah. So, So I didn't have to spend much time. Yeah.
0: So it sounds like it went well, though. So why yep. not? Why didn't you buy more single family homes? <laughs> uh,
1: the first reason that I when I got into real estate, so my main purpose was saving on taxes because I had other businesses. I had 10 businesses at, the, at that time. So I was paying a lot of tax. And when, with the, the buying, we bought this uh, portfolio in June. And by the end of the year, we made more money, a lot of more money, and we ended up paying more taxes. I thought we were in the real (laughs) estate business and we don't have to pay taxes. I I asked my accountant and he said, definitely you'll have to pay taxes. And then I I started learning and learned about the syndication process. Multifamily, I knew already that it's scalable. And, but I didn't know about the cost segregation accelerated uh, depreciation and all that. I learned all that and uh, I did a lot of research and uh, I, I thought I decided that this is the way to go
0: hmm. I'm curious about that leap from single family to these passive multifamily investments. How did you even stumble across them? Because I know a lot of people get stuck in that single family loop and just thinking like, well, this is all there is. But how did you come across these passive opportunities?
1: When I realized that uh, the multifamily is the way to go, and that I learned from most of the real estate investors at on bigger pockets, I was very active on the bigger pockets, I was, I was writing articles, I, I was doing a lot of stuff, commenting on other people's. That's how I, I came to know that uh, multifamily is the way to go. So I, I found an operator near me in Indianapolis and we, we arranged an interview with him for about 30 minutes and uh, we were late 15 minutes because of the traffic so he had only 15 minutes and i had my two partners with me too and uh, after 15 minutes of conversation because he had another meeting i just gave him a 50000 check so i didn't know much at yeah. that time but yep. when and and that was in october and when yeah. i got for 50000 i got a 38000 uh, dollar Minus K one, that mm-hmm. that took me off, and then I I started investing uh, in three four deals every year.
0: Yeah, I can imagine. Oh my gosh, I'm sure that moment when you opened up that K one and saw it, you must have been like, "Holy smokes!" <laughs> Were you expecting that amount of appreciation, depreciation, or was it a nice, expecting- pleasant surprise?
1: It was a nice, pleasant surprise. I wasn't expecting thirty-eight thousand for fifty thousand. Yeah, <laughs> uh, I was still expecting, and I didn't know how that worked at, the, at that time. Mm-hmm. And uh, but it definitely brought my taxes to about twenty-five percent in two years. Wow! So wow. I'm paying about twenty-five percent, and seventy-five percent I am reinvesting in the multifamily again.
0: Ah, that's incredible. And so now, now that you've done this on several deals, I know you also help other people to invest and now you're on the GP side. So tell us a little bit about that journey and that transition.
1: Well, after the, after my first investment and I thought, okay, and I'm I'm kind of a person that I always uh, start something and then, then research because uh, I wouldn't, uh, do any research if my money is not at risk or anything. so I, I after investing i realized that I need to learn this business. So I started learning and I spent hours and hours of reading books listening to podcasts talking to other people, networking going to live events i took even took some classes and, and uh, I also joined a mastermind where I found my first partner. Mm, and he I needed see. he he was uh, under contract and they were very close actually three days close to the closing and they were short of some money and uh, he asked me if i could raise that money for him and i raised that money in three days and they to take them to the cross line.
0: Wow, that was the, that must have been a, that's like a Hail Mary pass for that deal. He was, he must have been pretty, um, I don't even know what the word is, but there must be, he must've been experiencing a lot of anxiety three days before close and being short as a certain amount of money. And here you come in, it's your first raise. It sounds like it went really well that you were able to um, raise that money in just three days time. So did that come from friends and family, existing relationships? How were you able to have such a successful first raise?
1: Well, first of all we were in san diego uh, for the mastermind that's where i, I met him and uh, on my way uh, from um, from san diego to fort win mm-hmm. i had raised that money i made Get calls. So it was no yeah, way. it was it, <laughs> yes i did and it was mm, friends and family
0: uh-huh.
1: and it was friends and family i made some calls from the airport and they were they were okay Doing that, because I have been a successful entrepreneur, they trusted me. And it was only, at that time, I didn't have to send an email or anything. I just called some friends and family, and they invested that amount. Yeah. And actually, we sold that deal uh, about two months ago.
0: Oh, okay.
1: And did it do well? It It did very well.
0: Oh nice. Yeah. yeah, it seems like a common it's you know it, the key thing that you said there was that um they already trusted you because yes. they saw your track record. Not necessarily in multifamily or in the real estate space even, but like they saw all the success that you were seeing it, that you had seen yep. already in these other businesses that you had built. And so through that once you gave them the opportunity, they were right on board. And it's like what you were talking about with, um, when you first tried it out, you wanted to test it out yourself and then you did the research to see, okay, how does this work? How can I get other people into it? And I think that's so wise is really to build up your own track record first, to put in the sweat equity first, test it out yourself, make sure that it works. And then as your friends and family and colleagues are seeing your success, they're naturally going to be curious and want to get into it. And then you just bring them the opportunity and they'll be right there.
1: Yes, I was invested in eight deals before I got onto the GP site. Mm, and so yeah. everybody, everybody knew that what I was doing, I was talking to them, I, I was on Facebook, I had a Facebook group at that time. And, and uh, I was doing online classes, edu- trying to educate other investors before I, I, I had customers before I had a business kind of thing.
0: Yeah, and what I hear you saying is really caring about them. And not trying to sell them anything, but really providing value and sharing openly about what you were doing and the journey that you were on so much so that, you know, everybody loves to be part of something that's growing. And when you share that out, you're bringing them along with you on that journey. And so it's no wonder that they were so eager to invest with you on that first deal.
1: And most of them were gas station owners. Mm-hmm. so i i showed them what how i had benefited from that yeah uh, these syndications yeah and how i had invested what K- k1 losses i have got and how i was mm-hmm. able to write off my taxes and all that and yeah. they, they they i didn't have to convince them or anything they just wired the money in
0: yeah because I'm sure they had the same exact problems that you had, which is so key. It's yep. something we talk about all the time is, you know, you got to figure out who your um, your audience is. Yep. To a T, you have to know exactly who your target audience is so that you can figure out their exact pain points and yes. what success looks like for them. And so it sounds like, you know, you were able to niche down and have this specific group of business owners. And you knew exactly what they were experiencing because you had been there yourself. And so when you started showing them and talking to them about their pain points, I'm sure they were like nodding their heads like crazy. They're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the same thing I'm experiencing. And so when you presented the solution, it's almost like here you are, this knight in shining armor. You come and you help them solve the problems that maybe they didn't even know they had or they had these problems, but they didn't know what the solution was.
1: And some of them, those investors that invested in my first deal, they have invested in every deal I have done.
0: That's the best, isn't it?
1: Yes. And a couple of them are always investing the same amount that I do they all they ask me is how much are you investing if i say 100000 they'll say write down my 100000 if i say <laughs> 200000 they'll say okay write down my 200000
0: <laughs> yeah wow yeah. well it sounds like you've built up such a good rapport and relationship with your investors um, yes, and so tell us a little bit about okay so you've done s- ha- several deals now on the gp side of things and so What's your sort of strategy? What's your vision for growing this business now that it's such a successful and viable business? Um, are you looking at what markets are you looking in? What types of assets are you hoping to do bigger deals, more deals? Tell us a little bit about what's down the road for you.
1: My first deal was the only C-class deal. After then, uh, after that, I have done all. That was also 200 25 units though, but it was a C class, but I like to focus on B class and the investor base I have built is like doctors, engineers, um, IT professionals and gas station owners. They like to be associated with like nicer properties, though, I, I'm, and I, it doesn't make much sense to buy a C property according to what I think, the way I think is uh, because of the spread and the cap rates these days. So my plans, um, I'm planning on doing my own syndication. So far, I have always partnered with other good operators. So I know most of the good operators uh, in the United States and I have done either passively or actively. I have done partnerships with them and uh, I'm looking to do my own deals Still, I, I totally understand the value of the partners and the, and the networking. So I'm still going to be doing partnerships, but I have never be, uh, done a deal myself. That's my where we are going. Next is doing B class, larger properties, and, and uh, doing it ourselves rather than partnering with other operators.
0: Love it. That's the exact path we're headed down to. And yep, so, and, uh, yeah, go ahead. And
1: I, I'm, I'm getting because I had like eight gas stations, laundromat, banquet hall. So I, I had several businesses. So I'm cut down on the gas stations. We, We have already sold three gas stations this year. So I'm, I'm, kind of moving towards full-time multifamily that's so that I don't have to worry about the gas station businesses anymore Mm -hmm. so once I am maybe will sell a couple of more and uh, once I'm cut down to low then then I'll be full-time multifamily and looking for own deals underwriting own deals as well
0: I'm curious as as far as the workload goes for you as the business owner in the multifamily business versus laundromats, gas stations, or your other businesses. What's sort of the um, the most passive to run, and what what is the most um, most intensive for you to run?
1: Well, the gas station is most in, in intensive, no doubt. But uh, laundromat has been good. Doing good for us as well, but uh, since I have not been a key operator yet, I know it's. But I, I'm mainly raising capital for the deals and signing loans, uh, so that's that's also passive for me uh, at this point. But yeah. eventually, if I start underwriting deals, finding deals, and and then buying deals, that's going to be a full time job.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, but it sounds like something that you're, you're passionate about and that you love.
1: And yes. so that
0: sounds like a great fit. I,
1: I love multifamily, doing multifamily, educating other people. And I also mm-hmm. I, I share a lot of uh, knowledge over the Facebook group. And uh, also, I do monthly monthly uh, meetup once a month. And we have like 20, 25 um, people on, on that meetup. I try to educate them and tell them my success story, how they can do it too. Mm -hmm.
0: Speaking of people who are starting out in this space, what do you tell people, people who may want to follow in your shoes or or start a similar business? Do you recommend that they start out um, on the capital raising side? Do you recommend that they partner up with somebody? What's the general guidance that you give?
1: Well, I get that question a lot, but it all depends from person to person. Everybody cannot raise capital, and everybody can find deals. So, my least interest is finding deals. <laughs> That's, I
0: hear you. I
1: mean, if, if the deal comes to me, that's fine. Otherwise, I, that's my least interest. I, I hate to start calling brokers. Oh, uh, yeah, broker, me too. <laughs> broker, yeah, they don't respond. Then they leave a message. Mm-hmm. So my passion is, uh, and I, I have the prerequisite for capital raising as well. Not everybody can just start from capital raising unless they have the background. Some people don't even have a background, a real estate background, and then they start. They know th- th- three or four people. I mean, even if you're relatives and friends, they will not invest you with you unless they know you are successful. You know this, and and a lot of times they ask you questions you don't know the answer.
0: Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah, and not everybody is um, it finds talking about money easy. Uh, or enjoys it. It can be a very awkward thing for some people.
1: Some people are just uh, trying to raise capital because they know a few people, and they are all. All they're worried about is getting on a GP deal. I I think that's not. They should be doing. Then they don't ask the because they don't, they can't raise much capital. So whatever they can raise, they don't want to leave the deal, uh, but. They don't get a full opportunity to underwrite the deal. They don't get all the documents from the operators. And then they are just depending on whatever they say. And then they can bring and it could end up up to be uh, not a good deal.
0: Yeah, you're absolutely right. Yeah. When you're such a small piece of the overall deal and you don't have that control, then it's almost like you're putting your own reputation and your investors at risk. If um, you don't do that due diligence up front and make sure that your investment philosophy aligns with the, the main operator and the sponsor on the deal, because it is a long-term relationship. It's not just a you know one-month, two-month thing. It could be three, five, or more years.
1: Yeah, definitely. And I think uh, you should be able to do all, all the due diligence before getting on anybody's deals. Mm-hmm. Whether you're starting out or whether you are experienced uh, capital raiser, you should not. Yeah. And I have seen, I mean, sometimes people throw these things at me as well, but I listen to other people's stories. Oh, you can get this much acquisition fee or you can make this much. and yeah. Don't just trust even the operators, just do your own homework, do your own due diligence. Yeah, underwrite it yourself to make sure what they're saying is right. Yes, so you can only do all those things if you have knowledge,
0: right? Yeah, you're absolutely right, and it's really in this business is really about the long game. It's not about just getting two or three people into a deal and then collecting that acquisition fee. It's really about, okay, so you got a few people into this deal. Okay. Let's look at the performance of that deal, optimize that so that you are building your track record. So then you can attract referrals and you can attract even more investors and continue to build that investor base. Um, well, KK, thank you so much for sharing so openly of your experience and your wisdom and your guidance. I'm sure that there are listeners who are going to want to follow up with you and learn more, perhaps attend your meetup if they're local to you. So tell the listeners where they can follow up with you and learn more about all that you're doing.
1: They can go to 10X 10x multifamily investment group. I have a Facebook group where I have 6,000 members or they can go to growrichcapital.com and in the contact tab they can contact me and i'm also on all social media linkedin instagram and uh, facebook of course so i'm a, i'm there i'm very easily available and yes. they can go on yes. my calendar and book a um, book an event there as well and and do a zoom call like this
0: yes perfect. Well, yeah, you're absolutely right. You're, you are all over the place. And I think that's a big part of why you're seeing such success is because you share thank so you. openly with others. And so KK, thank you so much for being here with us today to all of our listeners. Be sure to follow up with KK, take him up on his offer, hop on a call with him, pick his brain, learn more about all that he's done and take his advice. Um, uh, if you're, looking to start your own multifamily business as well. All right. To all of our listeners, thanks so much for listening. And we'll see you on the next episode of the Real Estate Syndication Spotlight. Thanks for listening to the Real Estate Syndication Spotlight. If you are a real estate
1: investor or syndicator who would like to be on this podcast, please visit syndicationspotlight.com and please also join the Real Estate Syndication Spotlight Facebook group so we can connect with you and learn more about you.